kindergarten, our letter of the week is Y. Y is for yam. Y is for yo-yo. Y is for yak sports podcast. And here comes Daddy and Joe. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. Joe Dak, Leland McRae with you as usual. We're going to be previewing How'd the state like- championship in high school football, but Leland... We had How'd a special like intro. How about that girl? How about that? Thanks, Finley, That's- for the special intro. I know your dad is very happy right with it. I was very happy when Leland sent it. So, if Kelsey gets bumped, uh, one family member gets bumped for the other. You know, you know, children come before cousins. So uh, we always appreciate Kelsey's uh, effort to help the podcast, uh, and we've been using that ever since the beginning. But it was it was cool to get Finley in on that. Uh, yeah, the letter of the Y, the letter of the week is Y, and uh, I came home to her saying that, uh, talking about the Yak Sports podcast. So it was awesome. So glad we got that recorded. I hope everybody at home enjoys the update on what they are, you know, at home learning for kindergarten right now, and uh, everybody can be on the same page. We all need to review the letter Y sometimes. You know, yeah. is it a vowel? We don't know. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. But not all the times. And you know what? It's the letter of the week, so how would we not use that intro? Let everybody know. Gotcha. Letter of the week is why. So here on the Exports Podcast, let's start by talking about the state semifinals and then previewing a little bit the state championship games. Let's start in Class 1. Riverheads played West Point. I know some folks at West Point were very unhappy with the episode last week when we said West Point didn't have a chance, <laughs> and they were sure to tell all their kids that they were supposed to lose that game. I'm glad they told them because the kids did their job and lost and Riverheads beat them 52 to eight. Um, Look, for most of the crowd at West Point, no problems. To the two individuals, and they're not going to listen this week because they're losers. But um, if you do, you might know who I'm talking about. Um, And if you do, you can pass it along. We we warned them that was going to happen. I know at the end of the first quarter, they were surprised they were only down three nothing. I was too, but... As Leland and I said in the tailgate show that week, as we said on the podcast, you got to play a perfect game. Guess who didn't play a perfect game? West Point. Nothing against those kids. They just aren't Riverheads. And they could have played pretty close to a perfect game, and they they still probably weren't going to win that game. They They just just, don't have the numbers either. They did. Yeah, they they have. uh, They had ten guys standing on the sideline. I, I don't. I don't know what team i could say could beat riverheads with only 22 players suited up I, you're just gonna you're taking a beating on a, in a and it's a physical game and um we encourage listeners to interact with us i will say as we're setting up mics for our radio coverage is probably not the best time to you know put your uh your two cents into what our also if of our you're podcast gonna... or the truths we're telling it's just not the best moment it catches us off guard i bit my teeth or bit my tongue, clenched my teeth. Um, but that's fine. Hey, you know what? I, and you I know appreciate what? interaction. I just, it was a little, uh, maybe just not the right moment. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm just glad we wore masks during the game so they couldn't see how big of a grin I had in that second quarter <laughs> when it was bang, bang, bang. And they blinked because it was 3 nothing when their eyes closed. And when they opened back up, all of a sudden it was 24 nothing. And then they got a touchdown into two-point conversion. And, you know, they... Started to feel themselves a little bit, and the words were said, all we got to do is stop them from scoring again here in the first half, and one play yeah. later, they're down 31, to, or two plays later, they're down 31 to 8. So Two I, plays later, a couple handoffs to uh, Caden Cash-Cook, and yeah, it's it's another six on the board, 
I mean, that's after the earlier punt block into the end zone and, and Miller picking that up for a touchdown. So just a lot of quick scoring. Uh, Caden Cash had two long runs. So it's just, <laughs> I tell you, folks from out of town, if you happen to be listening to this podcast this week, when we tell you Riverheads is going to roll you, you, you probably just want to, you know, if you disagree, you might want to just quietly disagree because it and you know what it's not going to go in your favor that's one if you disagree wait until the final score to tell us you disagreed and then say i thought we were going to get killed that's when you say it yeah because because otherwise what happened to west point happens and then you know i noticed they were real quiet on their way out you know didn't want to look up at us didn't want to say about how you know (laughs) at least their kids knew because they gave him a heads up what was supposed to happen to him. I'm sure those kids saw film in the week week leading up. I'm sure they knew what was going to happen. And it's nothing against, again, it's nothing against those kids. I'm not saying, you know, West Point. Nothing against the kids. The kids kids played a clean game. They did. And, you know, know, and and part of it is, um, you know, we saw players who had had dominant performances. Norris had a good performance in that game. I thought... West Point did not use him nearly enough yeah. in the second half, but they should have thrown it more in the second half and give him, give him a chance to at least cut into a lead. Like, yeah. And, the and only Uzel, way you had success was throwing. Try that more, maybe. Right. And you is a good back, but it wasn't open for him. So when you keep giving him the ball time and time again, and you're just saying, Hey, go run into a brick wall. Like, okay, two, three yards at a time is not going to win you that game. Yeah, and I kept saying live on the radio, I was like, okay, they got to stick to, you know, they got to keep mixing in the run game before they, you know, just, you know, use more passes. It's going to help them. They never really did that. They kind of just stuck with more and more runs. I mean, it was, I mean, I know a couple of times they were trying to pass and Riverheads just didn't allow it to happen because there was so much pressure on them. And that's, that's Riverheads game. But I just would have like maybe some quick drops, some throw it out to the flats and, and dump it outside and get, get away from that pressure the best they can. So we say all that about West Point. I, we are not saying Riverheads is about to roll Galax. Maybe nope. they do. I mean, it, I, I wouldn't have predicted it uh, a couple of years ago in a state semifinal when Riverheads went down to Galax and absolutely rocked them. I never would have saw that coming back then or said that. And I'm not saying that now. I, I would be surprised if Riverheads just rolls Galax this week. I, I honestly would be surprised. I know how great Riverheads is. I know how explosive they are on offense. I know how suffocating that defense can be. I just think Galax has a lot of good players. I mean, they have the great quarterback um, uh, coming back that, that played well against Cole them last Pickett. year. He ended up throwing a uh, picket. Yeah, he ended up throwing an interception that really, in that state championship game a year ago, that really led to momentum going in Riverheads' favor. I wouldn't say it's the game decider, but it, it definitely impacted the game you know he's better uh you know he has a thousand yards on this short season he has a lot of big stats for only playing nine games and so and he has his weapons he has uh receivers Ian Ashworth and Colton Keatley those are the names the Riverheads fans are going to hear on Saturday when Cole Pickett throws it out there they're going to hand it off to Keaton Beeman you know they have an offense that's capable of scoring on Riverheads I, I think Riverheads has done a great job against a lot of teams this year, keeping them down. Good teams, not scoring much. Um, you know, it's some of the worst, the other teams that have scored more in Riverheads because it's just, you know, second half touchdowns. Um, but Galax is capable of performing well in this game. Galax is capable of winning this football game. I just think I already went through the offense. I think the defense is where it's going to be decided for Galax. I think Riley Joe Vaught, I think a lot of those same names that I just said on offense are going to be playing defense. I, I think that's they're going to have to keep the machine contained. 
Uh, Stewart's draft did a good job at that a couple weeks ago in the regular season finale. Um, I'd say that's the only time this year Riverheads has really been contained for four quarters. Uh, Taswell did a good job early, but I, you know, uh, uh, the machine's rolling a lot better now. So I think that's what it's going to take. I, I don't think Galax is going to fare well in a shootout. So their defense is going to have to be making stops if they're going to try to be, if they're going to be successful beating Riverheads. Is it possible? Yes. I just, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it kind of thing, but I don't, I don't think this is a blowout. I think, you know, I think Riverhead's going to win this game, and I think they're not going to blow them out. I think they win by two scores, and and is that a you know a score and a half or two two full touchdowns? You know, I we'll see. But um, that that's kind of where I'm at on this game. I think Galax is probably better than they were last year. Um, I think Cole Pickett's better from what I've little bit I've seen of him on film. I think they're young. It seems like everybody's back. I you know I only. I took the notes from last year to update them for this year. And I took like two guys off. Like everybody was back. That's great for them. And so I have to think they're better. I, I know you're a big proponent of it doesn't really matter if you have a lot of guys back, if you're bad. Well, Galax was really good last year. So I don't think this is chill. Howie. I don't think this is, you know, the chill Howie rematch where we think, well, yeah, chill Howie's going to be better, but Riverheads is a lot better. Um, I, I think both these teams are better. And I, I think it's going to be similar. Um, Maybe it is just a seven point game again. I, I was going to say, I think it's going to be a seven point game again. And I, yeah. I could see it going, look, and again, if if you're from Galax or Appomattox and you're listening this week and you're new or you, you joined last year to listen to this episode and haven't come back, you know, again, we, we uh, are equal opportunity offenders of opponents and our own teams alike. I'm sure there are certain schools in our area, if you talk to them, they're like, oh, these guys will bash our teams too. We Leland and I try <laughs> to tell the truth. Sometimes I am a little less sugar sugar coated than Leland, <laughs> but I, I'll say this: this is a game that I'm looking forward to. Uh, it was a seven point game last year. I was surprised it was a seven point game last year. I look at a lot of the same players coming back from Galax, so I think it's going to be a very competitive game again. I, I think this could be a seven point game, and as you said, Galax is capable of winning this game. This is one of the few opponents that Riverheads. It's in fact, I think it's the only opponent in Class 1 that Riverheads has to worry about. Seward Straff was another team on their schedule this year that took them into overtime. So that's another team that, yes, if they were to play them again, sure, Riverheads would need to be worried about that game in terms of having potentially a loss. But everybody else Riverheads plays, they blow them off the face of the earth. That Seward Straff game, I think, was a great game for Riverheads to have before getting into this Galax game because it was a tight game from start to finish. So yep. it proves Riverheads is not going to get tight. They're not going to get stressed out. Now, you and I both know that because Riverheads has been in tight games before. They've handled it yeah. many other years. But this year in particular, with these particular pieces, it was good for them to have that draft game. It went into overtime. They did what they had to, and they won the game. Difference is, Galax is going to go to the air more than drafted in that game. They're going to have to be ready for that. I say this week in, week out. When we talk about Riverheads, if you're going to beat the Gladiators, you have to be able to throw the football. It's You're not going to do it if all you can do is run the ball. Galax is capable of throwing the ball. The question is, Cole Pickett last year, he had some moments where he did that. The question is, can they do that again? Can Keaton Beeman, if Cole Pickett starts moving the ball around, can Beeman then, with a little more room to run, get going on the ground? So, And can they involve him in the passing game as well? If, if Galax can do that, the Maroon Tide could come up here. They could end the win streak. Now, Good. prediction time, 
I think Riverheads wins. I think it's a seven point game, maybe eight or ten, somewhere in that range. I don't think it gets I don't think it gets much more than ten points in terms of a margin of victory, though. I think this is a close game all the way to the end. Yeah, it's important. It's obviously important in any football game to hold on to the ball, not turn it over. I I think that's the name of the game for Riverheads. If if they're not turning the ball over, I I think they win this game. I think they outlast Galax. I I don't think Galax is a team that folds in the second half. I just I just tend to think Riverheads is just going to stay stronger longer, and and so I think Riverheads wins. Well, and you said I don't. You said it's not going to be a Chilawi kind of thing, and I mean, look, Chilawi. They beat the bejesus out of them both years. That was one that I know you were like, oh, I'm excited for the storylines and blah, blah, blah for the rematch. And I was like, let me tell you who's not excited. Let me tell you who's not excited. Me, because I have to be there and I have to call another 40-point shellacking in a state championship game, which is exactly what it was. I'm glad the Chilawi folks came down to watch their team get annihilated for a second straight year and tell me about how great they were going to be. points each time. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, this year's different. Uh, look at the scores. It didn't feel if it was 21, it sure didn't feel like 21. That's but true. Um, yeah, well, this year's going to be different. We're better. This is a better Chilawi team. Uh, how come cool. they how come the impression of them sounds like the impression of me? That's unfair. Because you were better, saying the same things. You were saying the same thing. So it all sounds the same to me. It sounds like, oh, yeah, this is going to be a great game. <laughs> no, it's not. You knew it wasn't. You were grinning through your teeth. Yeah. While well, you were saying it to me, I legitimately think this one will be a good game. And Chilawi people, if you could find one from Galax and you're like, hey, did you listen to them? And they happened to listen to us. They would tell you, yeah, that Joe Deck guy said we were going to get killed. Ask the West Point people what I thought of them. I think Galax is for real. I think they're a good team. Yeah, I think they're solid. And, and hey, everybody listening, if you're usual, you know, if, if you're just swooping in, glad to have you. Joe is a person that starts the season saying no one's going to be within 21 points of Riverheads. He has come off of that for this game. So enjoy it. And, you know, I didn't say it last year (laughs) or I didn't say it uh, this year. I mean, I did say it last year. All right. Uh, Look, one of the storylines kind of outside of the uh, the inbounds line there. Maroon Tide have a different head coach. Shane mm-hmm. Allen is in his first year as head coach. He's, he was an assistant. He had previous head coaching experience at Tazewell. Um, and that's just kind of a coincidence for this, that Riverheads played Tazewell this year. So this isn't the Mark Dixon versus Robert Casto chess match that we've had three times previous where Coach Casto came out on top, two of those three. Um, but I think Shane Allen's a very capable coach. I was I was wondering about Galax this year. I, you know, going to the season – Galax is the first team you think of, of course. They played last year in the state championship. They have a good quarterback. They have a lot of players coming back. You think about Galax. Shane Allen's kept them playing at a high level. I mean, they are, you know, outscoring opponents 36 to 8. Um, they're doing what they got to do. I think having that great defense is, I think, a great sign for that program kind of staying on the track that they're on. So I, I'm impressed with what he's been able to do in his first year, but I, I do just want to let our listeners know that are familiar with this. You know, it's kind of a new rivalry. I think this is, I'd count this as a rivalry. As soon as Galax beat Riverheads 7-6 to six in a game that Galax deserved to win, Riverheads nearly stole, I think the rivalry was born right there. And then we've seen Riverheads win the two games since, one by a large margin, one very close. So I'm excited about, you know, seeing how Shane Allen puts himself into that chess match with Coach Casto and the adjustments that are made. And, and they know what Riverheads are going to do. Every opponent 
has a great idea what Riverhead's going to do. Galax absolutely knows what they're going to do. They have players capable of uh, being in the right spot at the right time. It's execution. And does Shane Allen have those players ready to execute? And I, I think that's just one of the bigger storylines that that's different from the past year. Yeah, I, I think, as you said, it's a credit to Coach Allen. He got Galax undefeated this season. They came in. I think uh, George Wythe was a close game at 7 nothing. it looks like. And Fort Chiswell was a 10-point game. But other than that, they've won convincingly, including a pretty convincing win against Narrows in a region yeah, championship. Narrows, Narrows had not given up points uh, up until the week before that. And only mm-hmm. that, I think, was they had Seven. given up eight points coming into that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No points. uh in the regular season. So that that's an impressive win there. 21, nothing. I don't, I don't care. That's a good win. I don't, I don't care what narrows hasn't been in the past. They were a good team this year and, and they beat them 21, nothing and just handled it. So for Galax to get back here, I think is a credit to coach Allen because it's easy, right? Yeah. I mean, we talk about this all the time. Oh, well, they got all these players coming back. It's easy. Okay. Well, if it's so easy, how come so many teams don't do it? Um, right. but Galax is back. I'm excited that this is the rematch. Uh, I was hoping that this was going to be the rematch because I'll be honest with you. If if Galax had somehow lost to Holston and Holston came into this game, I would be Holston fans would be hearing a lot of the same things West Point fans heard last week and that their team has no chance and you're driving a long way. Congratulations on a great season. For Galax, I, I'm excited. This is going to be a great game. And I think, you know, the fans that are able to come up from Galax and the fans from Riverheads will be treated to a fantastic football game. Yeah, I, th- I think it, it could be uh, a really good one. Looking at, all right, what does it mean if one, these teams win? Galax, if they win, that would be their second state title. The first, obviously, for Shane Allen in his first year at Galax. Um, and, and that'd be, you know, kind of even up the series between these two ri- two new rivals. Um, looking at the at the other side, there's a little more history involved. Uh, so there's there's a couple more bullet points here for, for Riverheads. If they win, uh, they're looking for their eighth straight title with that. If they do that... Um, you know, that, that puts them kind of third all time on most state titles behind Hampton with 17, which is in another universe than river where Riverheads is right now. Uh, and then Salem with nine, who's, who's actually playing for one themselves this weekend as well. So top company right there, it'd be their fifth straight title. And that would make Riverheads the sole owner of the, uh, consecutive state championship record. Uh, they are, they are tied right now for four straight with Hampton road or Hampton, Phoebus and Highland Springs. Um, but if they win that fifth straight, that would put them on their own um, record there. And I, I think that's significant, you know, like there's been a lot of VHSL football and, and, you know, what, 50 years of it. And no one has ever won five straight before. I just talked about Hampton winning 17 of these things. They never won five straight. We talk about Salem winning nine. They never won five straight. They never won four straight. Um, those teams that I just listed off for the four straight, they were unable to get the fifth. So I, I think that's significant. Um, and then they have the win streak keep going if, if they're able to win this one. 30 straight, six straight wins if they win. Um, that would be the seventh longest streak all time. Uh, so right now they're in the eighth, but I think they're tied with a lot. Um, the record's 45 by Phoebus. We'll, we'll talk about that streak as we enter next season. I know that third or fourth game they play Lord Botetot, that's going to be the biggest hurdle of them all. Um, and then 21 straight playoff games if they're able to win. So the one stat that I was able to come up with, I, I know I just ran off a lot. If Riverhead scores 22 points in this football game, which I think is possible, I think even given credit to Galax's defense, I think it's possible for Riverheads to score 22 points and, and win or even lose. Um, that would pass a record of 440 by Granby, 
1945, and that's the record for most points in 10 games or less. Um, so that's something to, to pay attention to. That's, that's down the stat book there. Um, so in a weird year, you don't think you're going to get a, a season record like that where you only play 10 games total, but Riverheads has the uh, possibility of doing that. So just a couple things to watch out for. We will be calling the game uh, mm-hmm. on the radio. We'll be on 1240 AM uh, where you'd expect us. Uh, luckily, the station is going to be able to call both these state championships. We'll talk about draft in a second. Um, so if you're looking for state football coverage from Joe and I, we'll be at the Riverheads game calling the Galax Riverheads state championship game on 1240. The game's at one, we believe. And uh, so join us there for that. But also, if you're interested in the draft game, uh, they'll be on 94.3. So find them there. So talking about draft. We don't, we're not going to dive as deep on draft right now. Our guest, uh, Ben Cates, will help us out in the B block and dig into this deeper. But, Joe, what I saw from Stewart's draft in this game against Pocosin, and not live, watching back, it's always helpful when you return an open and punt. I, I don't know how often I've watched a football game where a team with a decent defense returns an open and punt, an early punt, and loses that game. So they were set in the right direction immediately but what i really like to see is what we talked about a lot last week Stuart draft came out with fane and vance on the field he got the snaps he turned and gave them to his running backs he threw the ball downfield on their first offensive series of the game and had a big pass play and that set that pocosin defense back the rest of the day and i really think that was the key to victory was showing that they had a multi-event dimensional offense early i think they're gonna have to do that again this week and they're gonna have to depend on multi-dimensions to beat this appomattox team yeah you gotta you have to have appomattox respect your passing game if they if you take your quarterback out of the game appomattox obviously isn't gonna respect your passing game they're gonna put nine ten guys in the box and say okay i dare you to throw it with one of your running backs and it's probably not gonna work and then you're or if you try it you're gonna turn it over more likely than not and you got a whole other host of problems I'll say this because uh, I know you don't want to do a deep dive here because we we talk to yeah. Ben Cates in the B block, but I will say this: Stewart's draft absolutely has the talent capable of winning this game. Oh yeah, oh yeah, they it's going to come down. Do. It's going to come down to not making mistakes. You can't turn the ball over. You can't goof around. You can't get cute. You need to execute your game plan and your offense your best offense to the best of your ability and you can win this game because Stewart's drafts defense is absolutely capable of winning a state championship this year. If their offense can put up enough points, I don't think Appomattox is putting up 42 this year. I think no. for Stewart's draft, I think you got to hope you score 28 and that's enough. I think you can hold Appomattox to 21 I think it's possible. It's going to be tough. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be possible. If you can hold Appomattox to 21 and your offense can find the end zone, you can win this game. And I think the key to that is you're going to give up a play. This this quarterback, Trey Long, mm-hmm. he is great. He is going to make big plays. He did it again. He did it to you last year's search draft. He's going to do it again this year. Don't, don't compound those. If he gets a big play, that's a big play that's behind you. Move on. Stop him the next play. Trey Long is the best player on that football field Saturday. That's just what it is, Stewart's draft. You have a lot of great players, but that kid's better. But your defense has some guys that I would put up against anybody going over there against Appomattox. Fomby is absolutely disruptive. He's going to cause problems for Trey Line. Trey Line's going to have to know where Fomby is before every snap. 
And that is an impact right there. And then the fact that you have Jaden Watkins and Jason Williams up front, those guys are going to do it for you. So the defense alone, the defense is why, why I say this, that they can win this game. I, I can, I have the prescription for how they win this game. It's some big plays by Joel Howard. It's picking up six yards a carry by Aaron nice. And it's having your quarterback on the field, but it's that defense. Just as you said, keep an Appomattox in the low twenties. And I think they absolutely can do it. It's just going to take not letting a big play deflate you and to get right back out there move the ball with your offense after that happens. Maybe you don't score, but move the ball and then put your defense back on the field and forget the big play that happened not so long ago. That's what it's going to take for Stewart Strap to win this one. Yeah, and it's not saying that you can't, you know, rotate backs. You can't rotate a Roth Gibb or a Fitzgerald or a Blake Roach in there in, in place of Aaron Nice or flip where they are in the formation or whatever. But to me, again, maybe, maybe, maybe like three or four plays total, Vance isn't on the field. I, I agree. I, I minimize it. I think they're going to do it some. I just would minimize it and try to catch them off guard. Uh, you lull them, in, lull them into it. Don't don't go to it early. I agree. All right. We will definitely be talking more Stewart's draft. Stick around for the B block because that's where we're talking about Stewart's draft, Appomattox. We're going to talk about Appomattox a lot in the B block. So stick around for that. Um, hey, we're pulling for two local state champions. Uh, and as we said, radio coverage has it. We will be back next week to break these games down full out. So subscribe, listen next week, um, and uh, we look forward to bringing that podcast to you next week. I do, before we want to get out of this, I, t- I want to talk about if the win, if, if, if they win things like I did for Riverheads and Galax. If Draft wins, that's their first state title. That's the best season in Stewart's Draft history. Right now, last year was Stewart's Draft's best season. They're, they're pretty much matching it right now on a shortened season. You win that state title, that's your best season in school history for – 50 years of school history, that'd be special for these kids to set that mark. Um, it would be their sixth single loss season in school history. Uh, they had a run of great seasons back in the 80s. I know um, Coach Ron Ball was a big part of that, uh, and I know him well, and, and he's just a local legend. Um, so also I, I know uh, Goforth had some great seasons in there. I think he had a one-loss season there in 95. And, but then Coach Floyd you know, now is potentially – you know, he has one loss right now if they win – that would be a one loss season. He'll have had two of those. So coach Floyd setting his name in the record books there at Stewart's draft. So a lot on the line there for the Cougars for Appomattox. This is kind of the run that I went with Riverheads. Appomattox is on that same kind of that level there. If they win. It's their fifth state title all since 2015. It would be their second straight, second straight over the Cougars. If they win, it would be 26 and one in their last 27 playoff games their only loss come in in a state semifinal in 2008 that that game is pretty much the 18. only thing keeping them from having one or yeah 2018 excuse me uh that's the only thing between them and this potentially going for what six straight <laughs> yeah yeah so that that would have been something see it's hard to do and that's what riverhead is on the cusp of um 20th straight win if they win this game and they hadn't lost since that heritage game. Uh, and uh, that'll be referenced here in the next B block here. Uh, they lost to heritage in an early season game a couple years ago. So Appomattox is knocking at a lot more state history, but draft could really just set their program to that next level. I, I, they already have with these last two years of runs as they have done this year. But if they win that state title, you know, that's only the third different team in Augusta County to do it. And that would be pretty special. Yeah. And again, uh, as you said, we're hoping they can do it. 
I'm, yeah. I'm hope oh, yeah. I would love nothing more than Riverheads to win the Class A championship, and then flip yep. over to Chip and Bill Piner, call in the n- game on ninety four three, and hear Stewart's draft win a state championship, a second one on the day for Augusta County. Um, but again, I, that I just wanted to remind folks that is going to be on ninety four three Star FM. That game's scheduled at two thirty. Two thirty. One o'clock for Riverheads. Mm-hmm. 234 Stewart's draft and that'll be the game show will air an hour before each game. So right. And that'll be chip Crable and bill Piner yep. on the call on 94, three. And I, I do want to say too, you know, I know we've said it on the tailgate show, but I want to say it on here as well that I'm glad chip is in a place where he can call the game again after having emergency yeah. surgery a couple weeks ago. So glad he's doing better and he'll be on the call call there. Uh, and again, I, you know, I know some schools, uh, we talk about Riverheads a lot, but I, I would love multiple state championships in this area for multiple oh, yeah. schools. It'd be great. Yeah, it'd be awesome. All right, before we get out away from high school football, it's pick 'em time, Joe. We have four games to pick. Class three, Lafayette Rams come in 8-0. They're facing Lord Botetot Cavaliers. Lord, Lord Botetot is headed to toward Lafayette. They're playing in Williamsburg at Warner Stadium. Who you got? Lord Botetot, and I'll take the Cavaliers by 21. Ooh. I'll take Lord Botetot as well. I'll say it'll be tighter. I'll, I'm going to let you say scores, and I'm just going to prices right you and say under or over that. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think it's Lord Botetot's time. I think we talked about this last week with Matt Hatfield, who was like 11-1 and one in his picks last mm-hmm. week, which doesn't surprise me. Um, he He... I think it's Lord Botetot's time. I think he agreed with me last week. I'm kind of rooting for him. I, I know they've been knocking on the door for years now. They uh, they were runner-up in 2015. They were runner-up last year to Hopewell in 2019. Um, it's the first time these schools ever met, but I think they got this one. Class four, Lake Taylor is hosting at their home field, and they are 7-0. The Salem Spartans, the, the nine-time state champion nine time they beat Tuscarora this week to come into this game Lake Taylor the defending state champion they beat King George by 15 uh this is their seventh state final appearance so a lot of state final appearances between these two teams actually the third time they're matching up in this fi- in this state final um where Lord uh, where they split they split the last mm-hmm. two so this is the rubber match between them here in the state final Joe who you got? I'm going to disagree with Matt Hatfield here. Salem was the one he got wrong because he thought Tuscarora would beat him. So I'm going to assume he's going to pick Lake Taylor. I think Salem gets him. I, I think Salem is a really, really great team. I've seen him too often. Uh, I have seen Lake Taylor in the past. And yes, that's a good program as well. You mentioned they've been in state, seven state championships. You don't get there by accident. That being said, I think Salem is more battle-tested. I think Salem is going to pick off Lake Taylor and stop them from repeating. I'll take the Spartans by a touchdown. I will take Lake Taylor. I take the repeat champion. So uh, this is where we, where we differ. I don't know if we'll differ the rest of the way. We're about to find out. But we'll differ here. I'm going with Hatfield because I'm smart. <laughs> yeah, that's not a bad idea. He'll probably be right. I'm just saying. I yeah. Part of it is just I, I've i seen Salem so much. And trust me, yeah. I I don't know if I'm a Salem fan, but I just have a respect for Salem. Sure. Uh, so class sure. five will be at Verina High School where Highland Springs 
will be taking on the Stonebridge Bulldogs. Uh, Highland Springs beat Maury 13-0 to get into the Class 5 championship. Stonebridge beat William Fleming 46-13. Maury has won, or excuse me, uh, Highland Springs has won four state championships in 15, 16, 17, and 18. Last year was the year they slipped up. Stonebridge, they've this is their eighth state championship game appearance. They've won one time back in 2007. I got Highland Springs, and I got them by 21 points. I think they're going to roll Stonebridge right out of the stadium. Highland Springs has won four state championships. Three of those final games has been victories over Stonebridge. Make it four. I think they're in their head. I think Stonebridge is used to losing to Highland Springs in the state in the state championship game, and I think that's what's going to happen again. Highland Springs gets them. They win their fifth, and, uh, you know, they're a state semifinal, or no, a region final loss, mm-hmm. uh, so a little bit further than the credit I gave uh, Appomattox there. But uh, Highland Springs pretty close to winning a bunch straight, but they get back on track this year, and they beat Stonebridge. Class six, it's going to be at Oscar Smith High School where the Oscar Smith Tigers will look to keep their perfect season alive as they take on the defending champion in a rematch of the class six championship game from last year in the South County Stallions. South County coming from the Northern Virginia area in Lorton. They beat James Madison in the state semifinal to get to their second state final appearance. Again, last year, they won this matchup against Oscar Smith. Oscar Smith beating Massaponics 21-14 to to punch their ticket here. It's the eighth time they've been to a state championship. They've won twice in 2008 and 2011. Give them their third state title. Yep. I think Oscar Smith gets revenge and beats South County this time in a thriller. I'll take them by a field goal. Yeah, last year was a one-point game. 14-13 win for the South County Stallions. Uh, I'm, I'm going, yeah, the opposite way. Uh well, then the same pick ah, is as less me. by th- less than three or more than three. I got to I'm going to put something on this. Um, I'll say more, more than three. Wow. Going a I, whole I'm touchdown. Add a dollar. I'm, I'm, I'm one of those guys. So they win by a close game. I, you know, maybe it's four, <laughs> but uh, they're going to win by more than three, but still a close game. Oscar Smith, their four state titles. What what we're both predicting there. And we picked the class one. I don't think we officially uh, picked gonna, class two. You're going to do this to us. You're going to do this to us. Yeah. I don't, look, we said it to the people who are new. We don't sugarcoat it. Well, I don't sugarcoat it. I think. <laughs> That's a shot at Leland. <laughs> I think we already said Riverheads wins. I yeah. I said by a touchdown. You said by more. Um, I really hope I'm wrong. I think Appomattox is going to have just enough to win the game. It's not going to be by 21. I think it's going to be by seven. I hope I'm wrong, though, and Stewart's draft goes out there and beats Appomattox. I know the defense is capable. I just think the offense is going to make a mistake somewhere when they really can't afford it, and that's what's going to cost them the game. Pick draft. Pick them. We only differ on one other game. Come on, you got that Lake Taylor game to make up for it. Yeah, go ahead. I want draft to win. I do. Will they do it? Yes. I don't know, man. I, I Something that sticks with me was how their state semifinal a couple years ago, what was that Gate City that came up here? 
and just things got weird down the stretch. And and I thought I thought things just didn't go drafts way on their home field in a game I thought they should win in a game they were definitely in position to win. So have they learned from that? New kids. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. Love it, Leland. All right, there you have it, Draft. Leland, man of the people here in Augusta County. Yeah, I I love my Augusta County. I'm not going to be pulled away by some outsider from from the north and you, Joe Deck. That's okay. Hey, uh, Sharando people have heard me pick them in the state championship game zero times. I'm picking my local people. I'm picking Draft. That's fine, Sharando people. And wouldn't that be something that two teams – Winning, you know, winning class one, class two. Wouldn't that be something they played to overtime and uh, such a tight game, such a tight battle just a couple weeks ago. And then for if they both win a state title, like how impressive would that be? And it just it doesn't matter what happens Saturday. It doesn't matter if both these teams lose Saturday. Look at the level of football that's being played with these two programs in this area. And, um, you know, it's not going to be long. You know, it's not going to stay like this forever. I know Riverheads has been a 25 year run of this. I, you know, I think Riverhead stays on that. I, I think, you know, who's joining the party? Is, is it, you know, is it Buffalo Gap? Is Wilson on that trajectory to come back up? Or is someone that was further back going to rise back up? Because these teams are, are tired of losing to Stewart's Draft. They don't like this season starting. And both me and you saying, well, Stewart's Draft and Riverhead's going to be undefeated in that last game and play. You know, they don't like that talk. They don't, they're playing for more than that. We've already seen these other programs. We've seen Buffalo Gap. We've seen, uh, Stanton, we've seen Wilson, we've seen them rise up to the level to play at state championship games, Buffalo Gap winning one because of the level of competition bringing you there. I, I, I'm interested to see who we get here in the near future rising up to that level. I, I don't think it's predictable right now, but uh, how good is local football around here? I mean, how lucky are mm-hmm. we to cover this every single week? Well, it's, I know, I know Patrick Height is writing an article on best games in Augusta County. Yeah. Um, I don't know, maybe it's recency bias, but that overtime game uh, three weeks ago seemed to be a pretty good one. I mean, yeah, it, it was just a bloodbath. You got two I mean, teams just... in a state championship game, hosting state championship games this Saturday that played in it, and it was an overtime game where the defenses shut down offenses that have had no problem, for the most part, yeah. scoring this year. So That's a great point. I, I would, you know, it's a little bit of recency bias, but I guess Patrick Height listens to the podcast, so that's my submission would be Riverheads and Stewart's draft. See, that's my that's my problem is I'm so Riverheads biased and I admit it uh, that every game that I could throw out to him as Riverheads and it's, it goes back to those Riverheads Wilson games. And I know other people are throwing those out because I, I didn't need to say those out loud because those were some epic games that happened between those teams. And honestly, I think Wilson got the better Riverheads more than Riverheads won those games. Um, you know, uh, we we had. Uh, why is his name blanking on me right now? The quarterback. Um that's helping out assistant coach in there too. Um, I can't believe I'm blanking on his name. I don't know. The great quarterback that played at JMU uh, and went to play tight end at JMU. Uh, he was. Oh, Matt Cullen. Player. Yeah. Cullen. Why am I blanking on Cullen? Uh, you know, he was a young player and like I, he got hurt and he was not going to be able to play quarterback, but he still came in and played like tight end. And they put in this Gokenauer kid and it's another freshman quarterback. Like that's what, and it's like, there's no way this team has two freshman quarterbacks that are great. Sure enough, they played an incredible game. Like that, that was a special game. Uh, when Cullen ran the ball uh, on the near sideline, did he step in? Did he step out? I, there might be a picture out there that shows him stepping out, but 
the way that kid was playing, he's probably scoring on the next play anyway, because that's the kind of play uh, he was. This is me giving Wilson credit, so make sure this is recording. I, this doesn't come often. You know, they had great games against Riverheads through there. They had a special group of athletes come through there, and they did a lot with them. But um, those games were absolutely epic. I've tried to think of other games. Sadly, the, all the other close games, you know, there's these close games that Riverheads played that – you know, that Keen William game was a great game. Riverheads came up short. I don't want to call that out. I don't want Patrick writing an article about Riverheads losing. I don't, I don't want that. That's why I didn't talk about Wilson games. Uh, the, the central Lunenburg game. I just talked about this two weeks ago when Riverheads and central Lunenburg played and it was a field goal to win it. And that I think just changed the trajectory of the Riverheads program um, right there. I think that kind of set at that next level. It sent them to the state playoffs. Uh, the meaning of that game looking back doesn't take away from the in the fact that that was a great game and Riverheads had to drive down the field passing the football to get down the field to to have that opportunity for that field goal that was an incredible game so I, I have been racking my brain though for 24 hours and what great games have I called on the radio that didn't involve Riverheads and I'm so homer I can't I can't come up with it. Yeah, and I I'm, know we've I'm sorry games. folks I didn't mean for this to turn into Leland's Riverhead story time um but <laughs> I guess that's where he took it so Moving on, let's hey, let's talk about some Riverheads. We'll talk more (laughs) Riverheads here, but I want to congratulate the Riverheads girls volleyball team. I know they came up short in the state championship against Auburn, but still a great season for them getting back to the state championship. Yeah, and they they had a lot of players back. I mean, they've been on a run these last three years, making it to the state championship game. Yeah, they've come up short, but that's a lot of winning. uh, That's representing our area well. You know, Patrick Henry and Auburn both are very good programs. They have some big state semifinal battles these last couple of years. And uh, the Gladiators just didn't weren't able to get where they wanted to this week or this past week. And um, they lost. But it's still a heck of a great season. A lot to be proud of. A lot of girls coming back. So this isn't the end of the run. Uh, yeah, they're going to lose some seniors, but they have every other year, too. So it'll be interesting to see what they can do next year. They represented the area very well. And, uh, yeah, next year things will kind of get back to a little closer to normal. Let's see if they can get over that hump next year. Yep. Uh, moving on to college football, JMU still alive in the playoffs. Uh, they beat VMI 31-24 on Saturday in the first round, uh, a game that was a little bit closer. Uh, but JMU kind of in control for most of yeah. that game, not VMI really in late. doubt. Yeah, not really in doubt. JMU won. Uh, They'll be playing at home against North Dakota. That game being played Sunday, May 2nd at 6 p.m. on ESPN 2. You have ESPN 3, but I'm pretty sure it's ESPN 2. I saw ESPN 3 on what I looked at, but uh, it'd be great if it's on ESPN 2. Um, It's on an ESPN network. Uh, The highlights of that game, seeing uh, Jawan Hamilton run that 99-yard touchdown, you can't really beat that. Uh, you know, that was came at a good time for the Dukes. And I, it kind of established their run game for the day that would rack up 309 yards. So another 210 uh, yards on top of that big run. I didn't like seeing Johnson throwing those couple of interceptions. I will say if JMU is going to play like that, we're not going to talk about JMU too many more weeks. Th- that wasn't a national championship performance last week. So you want to see better out of this North Dakota team. This isn't North Dakota State. This is North Dakota. They're a good team. They've won a lot of big games this year. I think their only loss coming to North Dakota State, but the other teams they beat have been solid. So they can't mess around in this game. JMU is going to have to come out, play well at home, and earn this victory. They're they're not playing VMI this week. And and all the credit to VMI, they had a great season. They're not national championship contenders. North Dakota is. 
and uh, JMU is and supposed to be. And so they're gonna they're gonna have to come ready to play. Yep. All right, let's get out of here. Let's get to the B block. Let's talk more high school football because we just did it for forty minutes. We can do it for another half hour. And joining us this week on the Yak Sports Podcast, we have Mr. Ben Cates from the News Advance. So, uh, but let's talk about the Appomattox Raiders. And with Appomattox, they're a team that's won four out of five state championships, looking to make a back-to-back here. If they can beat Stewart Strap for the second consecutive season, a lot of familiar names for Leland and I, as we called that game last year at Salem, especially the quarterback, Trey Long. Absolutely. Um it's hard to believe you know, Trey Long has been doing this for quite a while now. He's been starting since he was a freshman. With the pandemic, I think it just makes it seem like he, he can't be a junior, but he is a junior. Um, <laughs> and uh, and still, uh, you know, uh, just looks like a man out there. He's just, he's a beast. Um, he's closing in on 500 passing, 500 rushing this year. Um, and uh, has really just, yeah, continues to lead the way for Appomattox again. So not to jump off the, the urgency at hand here, what's his post-high school uh, options looking like at this point? I, I guess he's still a junior, so I'm, I'm sure they're still coming together, but what's the rumors and, and, and opportunities out there for him uh, at the next level? You know, I don't know that he's saying much right now. Um, I don't know uh, exactly what the future holds for him, to tell you the truth. Um, we, I haven't, uh, actually spoken with him much this year. So, um, but I'm sure things will be coming together for him, um, pretty soon. That's something to watch. That's something to watch for sure. You know, when I look down this lineup, we, we see all these familiar names. I, it's, I think it starts with the quarterback offensively, uh, for how dangerous he was, particularly in the state championship game against George draft a year ago, but talk about what this team looks like compared to last year. I mean, kind of using that as as the as the stone to compare to you know are, are they looking better offensively uh, or defensively or, or what, what's it looking like to you i think a lot of believe it or not a lot of the same um principles kind of um kind of apply from 2019 where appomattox since they've been on this run really and it's just kind of evolved i guess uh into something that's really once you see it you know it um, and that is the ability to strike very quickly on offense with big plays, um, 40, 50 yard plays, and then get shutdowns quickly on defense, get turnovers, score defensive touchdowns. Um, and um, those are kind of themes that, that, that have carried over. It's been every year that Appomattox has won a state uh, title, it's kind of been like that. Um, and so uh, offensively, yeah, starts with, starts with lawing there's so many weapons out there um also um in in the run game as well um <clears throat> so yeah it's it's kind of more of the same for Appomattox, i guess so with coach smith i want to take it there for a second mm-hmm. obviously uh, he's not going to be on the sidelines he's recovering from cancer in case you know there's still listeners that haven't heard this story but and obviously, Leland and I appreciated seeing on uh, social media, Twitter, uh, that he was back home last weekend listening, or I'm sure watching as well, the game. And I'm sure he'll be doing the same this weekend. But 
talk about uh, how this team has used that as motivation and just, I'll be honest, I would have figured a slight drop off. I know it's a lot of the same kids, but, and same staff, but maybe a slight drop off with coach Smith, not there himself. Has that been something that surprised you? Yeah. You know, I've been surprised by the fact that they, you know, as soon as I heard the news last year, um, you, you know, uh, Anytime you've been around business long enough, you know what they're going to be playing for and uh, what they're going to use as motivation. Um, and so um, I'm not surprised in that regard, but I am surprised that they have been able to um, to kind of do what they've done. Just, just you know, 20-game winning streak right now uh, that dates back to the last time they lost was week three of 2019. Um, I, I'm surprised they've been able to carry that over, go undefeated so far this season. Um, and not really lose their focus at all. Um, and part of that is the interim coach, Stephen Costello, uh, who is the uh, author of their defense that they've, that they've put in the past few years, um, ste- stepping into kind of, you know, interim role, um, and getting, getting those kids to, uh, to really buy in. Um, and I think seeing, uh, coach Smith via video, uh, he's watching games. He's coaching from home, um, and I think that that kind of helps reestablish that connection as well. Um, it's just a really good system that they that they put in, to be quite honest, and it's carried over for the most part since 2015. And that's all credit to him. And so, yeah, we I, it's it's hard in these football games when everybody cares so much about this game and and and. Uh, you know, what's happening on the field when, when real life is, is going on, uh, know for sure everybody up this way, uh, even even the fact that they want Appomattox to lose this weekend, they're, they're thinking about the coach there and uh, appreciate the little bit of update on him there. Yeah, he's received so much <clears throat> yeah. support from all, all over the state, so I know that they will be um, certainly be appreciative of that. So Stuart Strath, from our point of view, we, we get to see him all the time, and, and Joe's seen him more than I have uh, this season. You know, we think they're even better on defense than they were a year ago. And they just don't seem like the, a, a team that's going to give up 42 points like they last they did last mm-hmm. year in the state championship. Uh, and certainly not the 53 that Appomattox is averaging. Uh, what, what offensively do you think could surprise Stuart Straff or be something that they haven't seen, uh, you know, out of a team this season with this, with this great defensive run they've done with, with only giving up six points a game. I think one of the things is um, Appomattox uh, has shown itself to be pretty patient at times uh, when it, at least in games that are close. Um, and so when they do that, they're almost waiting for you to make mistakes. And they're very good at pouncing as soon as you make a mistake. Um, so, you know, coaches, talk, you know, talk about we have to play perfect football and, and, and no one ever does. Um, but <laughs> But they are very good at, at, at picking up on those mistakes and taking advantage of them really quickly. And sometimes uh, that can change the course of the game really quickly in high school. So with Stewart's draft, the other aspect that is interesting is they, they're they a team that has the ability to be a dual-threat offense, but they definitely primarily prefer to keep the game on the ground. But when they go to the air... Is that something that you've seen from the Appomattox defense that they're going to be able to handle? Have they faced a lot of teams that have, you know, a multifaceted offense, or are they facing just primarily teams that will run, 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 and then hope it works? 
You know, that's a good question. Um, with the way that um, our area was set up this year, um, we usually have pretty pretty good football um, in our area. Um, this year, I feel yeah. like it was a down year for just kind of not for every team, but all across the board, um, taken in totality, was was just was down. Um, and the Dogwood District in which Appomattox plays uh, was down. So uh, I say all that to say that they primarily faced teams prior to the playoffs who were run-heavy teams, um, and with with a with a couple of exceptions. But those exceptions were teams that were not very good anyway. Um, and so uh, they, yeah, they will probably have their work cut out for them in that regard. Um, but Appomattox does possess a lot of speed um, on defense, um, especially in the secondary. So I don't quite know how that will handle out, uh, will play out, but I do know uh, there are some, some guys to watch out for back there. So in my point of view, if this game is a blowout, it's probably, you know, going to go the way that Appomattox wants it to. But if it's, if it's close, it's going to be anybody's ballgame. And I know Stuart Straft has a good kicker in Bryce Dennison. He's only a freshman, but he is going to be a great kicker for years to come. He's already proven himself this year. You know, if we get into a kicking battle, if we get into some uh, last-minute field goal tries, I have a lot of confidence in what I'm seeing out of the Stuart Straft kicker in Bryce Dennison. How, how's the kicking game for Appomattox? Um, well, I've got a few stats for you that are – um, prior to um, Saturday's game um, gotcha. that I can share with you there. Um, extra points, they've had uh, two different guys that come in. Their main, their main guy uh, has made uh, 32 of 34 extra points. Okay. Um, and the other guy is 14 of 18. Um, don't really have any field goal stats here, but... Um, Probably don't kick too many. I would imagine. Wouldn't imagine. Yeah, yeah they're they're in the end zone a lot. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, all this is not keeping them to field goals, no. are they? <laughs> no, but you know, um, special teams is, is kind of another thing to watch out for. Um, just something that that pops out. Um, Tess Booker, um, who is a uh, plays in all all facets of the game. Um, prior to last week, and I don't don't think he really had any stats last week, but. Uh, Five returns for 320 yards. Ooh. 64-yard <laughs> average. And yeah. two touchdowns. Um, so when I say speed, that's kind of what I'm talking about. They have it from a couple of different guys. Um, don't so that don't kick to number two is what you just said. Yeah, huh? yeah, yeah. Exactly <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Um, and, they, you know, they have another guy, uh, uh, Irvin Davis, who uh, two returns for 104 yards. You know, so wow. it's just um, – there's there's quite a bit of and, and he's a younger guy. Um, Booker is 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 a senior, so um, they got speed out there. Um, and that you know, as you guys know, you get in good field position um, with a good team, and and you can change things pretty quickly. But I'm sure that Stewart's draft uh, has, has has some of those abilities as well. Oh yeah, they returned a punt for a touchdown uh, to open the uh, early in the game last week. Uh, so they have playmaker there in Joel Howard. And, and 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 other guys as well, um, but yeah, like I said, the the kicker is also the punter. He he's he pins teams inside the ten. Uh, he can kick field goals. So um, I I'm I'm hoping that the special teams is an area that Stuart Straft can find success and and maybe cut into Appomattox. What you just said to me um, makes me less confident in that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I'm sure those guys are on their radar as well. So I'm sure. Uh, oh, so all Dennison has to do is kick it in the end zone. Yeah, <laughs> kick, kick, kick off into the end zone and, and kick it where it's rolling around the ground and rolling out of bounds on punt. That's right. That's right. <laughs> all right. So I'm not going to make you predict anything because you're going to probably predict your team. We're going to predict our team. How, if, if you had to guess at looking at how the season has gone, do you see this game closer than last year or are you leaning towards, man, I know Appomattox is, is so much better. Uh, what's your lean on this game? Do you think it's, it's a repeat of last year? Do you think it's worse or better? Well, I can't, I can't say that they're so much better. Um, but, um, but I, I do think it's going to be probably a little bit closer. Um, what was it? 21 go. point spread last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the draft had some moments where it, it could have gotten tighter. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't. Stewart Draft plays a great game. I don't expect that score from last year to to come into play at all. Well, us too, as homers, uh, as the home hometown broadcast team, uh, us too. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck in your coverage of this game this weekend. And before I get you out of here, uh, I don't know if we asked you this last year when you're on, but. Maybe you haven't had time to binge anything recently uh, on TV, some non-football, non-work-related uh, uh, entertainment. Uh, so what what have you binged lately, or what might you have coming up? What, what's waiting on the DVR for you? What's waiting on Netflix <laughs> on your on your go list? Um, really, um, other than sports, trying to keep up with the Braves, uh, which is not going well. There you go. Uh, yeah. Right now. Uh, I've been uh, um, going back to – uh, the Sopranos uh, recently, ah, yeah, um, and just kind of revisiting some of that stuff, um, waiting for a couple other shows, you know, to resume as I'm sure everyone else is. But uh, um, I had never watched, uh, I'd never seen Game of Thrones, and so I, I, I binged that for a little while, and, and now I'm going back to Sopranos. So, so I'm on the old shows these days. <laughs> Joe, what's he got to watch out for in Game of Thrones, or, or is it just no spoilers? I'm not going to spoil it. Yeah, no, no, no. I've seen it. I've seen it. Oh, okay. Well, then you know. It's just going to get worse. Like, Yeah. yeah, I I, I like it. That's Joe's way. I like it. I I think I liked it right up until some moments uh, at the very end. But, uh, (laughs) you know. All right, Ben. Well, we really appreciate you coming on with us from the news advance. We appreciate your coverage of athletics football and, and all the sports coverage you do down there. And, uh, we need to get you on sometime. We, we need to be nicer and invite you on when it's not just Appomattox uh, yeah. playing one of our local teams. Well, I appreciate it, fellas. Um, as always, it was, it was super fun. So thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you, Ben. And uh, we look forward to seeing your coverage of this weekend's game. Sounds great. Thank you. Thanks again to Ben Cates for talking to us about Appomattox and helping us yes. with our preview there of the class to be championship game. But Leland, what is dominating your life? I watch a lot of NASCAR on Sunday. I didn't bet any money on it, but knowing mm-hmm. some of my friends, I think including you, but definitely mm-hmm. other friend, a uh, friend of the show too, Steve, y'all had your dollar bets going. So I was kind of rooting in y'all's favor and, uh, I know you are going to have your comments to it because your your boy didn't win. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like those races. I just like those super tracks so much more. And we talk about it other times with the NASCAR. Those monohalves are so boring. I don't even care about turning it on. 
But when it's Talladega or Daytona, it, I I gotta have it on, and I'm making sure that I'm sitting there for the last half hour plus of it because anybody can win. I mean, I've had my history rooting for Bubba. Bubba was like in 17th and then he got up to fourth and then he was back to 12th and then he was back to fit. Like it's just fun on the super speedway that you can do that. And then when that a couple weeks ago, someone um, posted a video where it was like Dale senior with like three laps to go was in like 21st place. And he won the darn race. Like it's just awesome that like they've engineered these cars to get on those super speedways and be able to perform like that and really give, you know, so much racing is just about the equipment and whoever has the best equipment is going to win. Things get even really quick on that racetrack and you can get the runs, you can get the push. And it's just, it's so much more fun watching uh super speedway racing. Why don't they make more super speedways? Uh, dude, I'm with you. That's the only races I watch take anymore. Michigan and turn into a super speedway. It's the only race like, I watch anymore. It. Yeah, it's because like you said, it's fun. Those drivers can move up, move back. It's all about drafting yeah. and knowing what line to be in at the right time. And that's why I like it. And, um, yeah, I mean, I've said it. Can I said it to Dan. A lot of those races I tune, I tune out. Cause if I watch, you know, the first 50 laps of the race, I know who's going to win. So, um, yeah, I, I did have a little bit. I mean, it was less than $5 total on the race between two drivers. The way, the way I think about gambling, I think that's a lot of money. That's, yeah, that's nothing. That's that's nothing. Um, but yeah, I was I was mad because I had put a huge huge flyer on Matt De Benedetto to win, and he was looking like he was in a great place. And then Martin Truex Jr. I guess forgot he had a flat tire that he was driving on, so he didn't go to the pits. And then his tire came off, which brought out a caution late. I still think Matt De Benedetto would have won had it not been for that caution. But oh well, it just wasn't meant I don't to be. Know. It seemed like they kept the like, I think, you know, Jeff Gordon, I think it picked Benedetto to win the thing. Like, I think he talked about him winning it and oh, I know he was in. Were, yeah, I know. They kept they saying, you know, the leader's to, like, not where you want to be on the last lap. But if you if you're the leader and you can get a block, they were all single file. So he would have had an opportunity to block anybody making them like, cars in that other line come in and catch the back of that other i don't know that's what's fun about the speedways you have all this what could have happened what might have happened this could have happened and like you can't rule anything out because of the air flows that happen on these super speedways nothing like this happens on those mile and a half so it's so much more boring so i will say charlotte i guess I, charlotte's not a super speedway but at least no. it's not just a mile and a half right uh, i'm pretty sure it's about a mile and a half I'll, Charlotte does seem more exciting though than those like standards. So maybe um, I'm wrong. But I I felt a lot less confident about it uh, after the caution, and so it's whatever. Now I don't think Martin Truex Jr. You know it's not some grand conspiracy. It wasn't his teammates that were benefiting from anything that happened. Um, but yeah, so. Well, that'd be. Well, it is a mile and a half track at Charlotte. Okay. But yeah, I do. I have remembered some exciting races there. Um, I don't know why. I just I, there was like a Memorial Day race that was like, it looked like a tie, but All Star race maybe. I don't know. But it yeah, was like the week before the All Star race or whatever. Yeah. <sighs> or after. Yeah. All I, right. I'm not gonna. So what? Martin Truex is uh, no one to me. He's dead to me. So, um. 
what's dominating my life is we'll talk about hockey again. I uh, I had the standings pulled up and I clicked off to look at How's my your Charlotte Motor Speedway, your Colorado Avalanche. How's he doing? Be in trouble. They've lost two straight to the St. Louis Blues. Oh, so that's probably going to cost them the one seed in the West. Uh, they're going to now have to play the Minnesota Wild in the first round instead of the St. Louis Blues, which maybe is a good thing considering the way they've played them this week. Um, but I still think overall they're in a they're okay. It's going to be them in Vegas, I think, in that uh, second round playoff matchup. The winner of that stands a great chance of winning the Stanley Cup. Uh, and but I'll say this: I think I'm very interested to see. Um, who comes out of that? Because with Colorado slipping to the St. Louis Blues, who haven't been great this year, um, to me, it, it shows, shows a little bit of weakness in the Colorado Avalanche. I'm also a little bitter because the Colorado Avalanche have now twice killed a parlay. Um, but I, Vegas appears to be just the better team in that division. Not by a lot, but they do appear to be a little bit better. They're on a nine-game win streak right now, which is pretty insane. So they appear to be getting hot at the right time in the central division. Carolina appears to have the better spot there, although they did lose tonight and that loss to Dallas kept Dallas's playoff hopes alive. Dallas kind of needed that one. They got it. They have uh, two less games played than Nashville who currently sits in the fourth spot after their win against the Florida Panthers tonight, but uh, the for, ice cats, yeah, the ice cats, which sucked. Um, but anyway, uh, tonight was just not a great night for uh, my hockey picks, but um, anyway, for the for the Predators, it ends, I think they got like six more games, so probably another two weeks, maybe um, two, three weeks, but Colorado can rebound here. Colorado could rebound, um, but for Nashville and Dallas, that that playoff race is going to be tight. Dallas, again, has two fewer games played so far. They're two points behind. A win is worth two points, so basically you need a win in one of those two to tie them, and then it gets into tiebreakers, which is regular season wins. Nashville would have that tiebreaker. I don't. Uh, the first tiebreaker might be head-to-head, and I don't know who leads that between those two right now, but um, that's going to be an interesting race. Boston is going to get that fourth spot in the playoffs, despite losing two straight here and the Rangers winning two straight. I just don't think the Rangers are going to be able to stay hot enough to catch Boston. I didn't think the city of Boston existed anymore. You had told me previously that I thought the city of Boston was gone. Oh, you're right. The Bruins hockey team that has no home from parts unknown. I do think they will. Thank you for correcting me. Um, I do think (laughs) they will hold on. I forgot that Boston is dead to me as well. Um, that they will hold on to that last playoff spot in the East. In the North, uh, Calgary it can also just go jump off a cliff. Um, it's it's going to be Toronto, Winnipeg, Edmonton, and Montreal. Those are going to be your four teams. It's done. It's decided. I've said so. Um, 
in the West, Vegas, Colorado, and Minnesota have actually clinched playoff spots. Those are the only three teams. Uh, uh, correction. Carolina has also clinched a playoff spot tonight. So, so can you like parlay a futures on those four teams making the playoff? Not oh, now. No, they've clinched. Couple bucks? They've clinched. You can't do it now. Oh, they, they actually clinched. They all four actually clinched. Okay. They have I all four just... actually clinched. Okay, I got you. I misunderstood what you said because you, you made it sound like you were just stating it to be so. I mean, you so, could do uh, to win like a whole dollar. I think you'd have to bet something stupid on like the Caps and the Penguins at this point. I mean, they're in. Everyone knows they're in. They're in. So we'll keep you. I'll keep you updated here on the Yak Sports Podcast right. about hockey as it gets closer. I'm excited for the playoffs. I just can't wait for the playoffs to get here. Yeah, there'll be less teams to talk about then. That'll be great. It, there will well yes and no um but i really i really just hope somehow some way in the final six games that the panthers have to play they can somehow catch and pass the hurricanes in the division it's something to look for mm-hmm. hey what is something that you know that i need to know so i talked about the uefa super league last week and no sooner did i talk about it before i could even post it it was dead um the reason it was dead was because Apparently, these owners did not take into account that fans would be really, really pissed off about this. Uh, And fans in Europe were super pissed off, especially in England. So the six English clubs in the Premier League were Manchester City, Manchester United, Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal, and Tottenham. All six of those fan bases were pretty hot, particularly Chelsea. They had a protest the next day uh, outside and they uh, outside their grounds and owner ended up saying, Hey, you know what? We're out. We're not going to do this. Then they were followed by Tottenham who pulled out Liverpool. Uh, sorry, Manchester city pulled out second. Then it was Liverpool, Manchester United, uh, Tottenham and Arsenal all pulled out around the same time. So, The reason that's a big deal, this was going to be a closed league. And again, I tried to explain a little bit. For Americans, we're used to that. Closed leagues is the only thing we know. In Europe, in professional soccer, you have to earn your spot in every competition you play in, Premier League included. If Liverpool were to fall flat on their face one year and not win a game, Liverpool would not be in the Premier League the next year. They would be relegated. So, Or if they would finish in the bottom three, they would be relegated. So, for instance, in Major League Baseball, the Pittsburgh Pirates, who are a perennial cellar dweller, would not be in Major League Baseball. They would be in AAA or some other thing, and the top AAA teams would come up and take their place. American owners hate that. They hate it. They prefer salary caps because it caps what spending they can do, and they can accurately measure how much money they're going to bring in year year in, year out. In Europe, owners can't do that. And, that, and fans love it for the competition, the tradition. They stood up for it. They fought for it. They won. They beat these big owners from these top 12 clubs that wanted to join this Super League and got them got the six English teams to change their mind. Then there was some Spanish teams that changed their mind. And uh, I think an Italian team dropped out as well. Um, but... You still have the owner of Real Madrid, who was the president of the Super League. He's still saying that this is going, that he's not giving up on it. I don't know who 
at this point he's going to get to go with him. Because uh, right now, I think it's just him. Barcelona's maybe still in it. Um, Juventus is still in it. These clubs are also the clubs that are in the most debt because they spend like crazy people. And with COVID, they haven't had the ticket revenue. So they're getting killed financially. Now, what you would say is, well, maybe you sell some of these big players. Yes, that's an option. But again, if they sell the big players that they've spent all this money on and then they don't do well and they don't qualify for Champions League, that's another huge, huge cut of money that they miss out on. So that's why it, it's a double-edged sword there. you got to spend money to make money in soccer, whereas in American sports, you don't necessarily have to do that with revenue sharing. Baltimore Orioles, Pittsburgh Pirates, Miami Marlins, they can finish at the bottom every year, make money because of revenue sharing. So I appreciated that the Super League got killed. I don't want to see the Super League. I like things the way they are. It's not perfect, um, but I like it compared to whatever the Super League would create. So, um, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this goes. There is still talk from UEFA of punishing the 12 teams that at least announced that they were going to go in the Super League, even though the Super League's not going to happen now, as of now. There's still talk about punishing them. I think that's a dangerous game because if you do that, then the next time they make the announcement, when you say, well, we'll punish you, they're going to be like, yeah, well, we got punished anyway last time, so who cares? Um, The other interesting aspect before I get off of this for folks at home, this has caused not only did Manchester United withdraw from the Super League, one of their higher-ups actually resigned over this, um, which set off a celebration at Manchester United because he was a very hated person, um, Woodward. So he's gone. Uh, And now they want the owners to sell the team. Liverpool fans want their owners to sell the team. Uh, Arsenal fans want their owner to sell the team. Yeah. I don't want Liverpool's owners to sell the team. Um, Liverpool's won a Premier League, won a Champions League. Red Sox so much, you want to keep that ownership in place, yeah. No, um, I do love whatever helps them not spend money on the Boston Red Sox, but um, <laughs> <laughs> they've won a Champions League, they've won a Premier League. Uh, people don't like them because they're not spending money right now because of COVID. It's why they're not in the same place Real Madrid and Barcelona and Juventus are. Um, their ownership group said, hey, we're probably not going to make a lot of money, we're going to hold back on spending on players. Um, so it's a choice they made. Um, but again, fans want them out. I think you got to be careful because if, if they sell the team, who buys it? Um, probably someone who's either not going to be able to spend money as well, or you get into a Manchester city kind of deal where the money is coming from very shady human rights places. And I'd rather have, I'd rather have somebody who is greedy versus human rights and greedy. So that's just my preference, but what I, that, and that's all fair points there. And uh, I'm not going to hit back on that. I, what amazed me with the super league was that the players that would have been involved weren't even like talked to about it. And these owners were just moving ahead with assuming these owners, like they're going to have these players moving forward. They were putting in rules about them not being able to play international competitions and stuff like that. It just seemed crazy it just seemed crazy that the players weren't kind of involved in this um even though they would be you know there'd be a lot of money there for them too i mean these owners are gonna make a lot of money but the players were gonna get a lot of money too it's just surprised 
that they weren't involved in that. And a lot of players didn't like it um, just as the fans did, but the fans are the ones that made the difference like that. I'm not trying the to fans were the ones that made the difference. The yes. players and coaches, I think UEFA and FIFA coming out saying what they did as well did not help. Um, but, and I hear you on the players. The pl- it's very easy for the players now to come out and say, yeah, we don't like it. My question would have been, okay, you don't like it. Even if they come out and say before the teams withdraw, we don't like this. We're with the fans. No Super League. Okay. So the Super League gets created. How many of these players demand to be sold to teams not in the Super League? Yeah, no, they're going to cash their check. Yep. So, uh, and the other thing, this is going to come up again. Like, they're going to, this isn't it. Like, this isn't over. Like, it might be nope. a little bit of time before this comes up again, but they're, they're going to take a whack at this again at some point. Those, those higher spending teams at some point are going to come back. I, I've listened to multiple soccer guys mm-hmm. in the last week talk about it. This is going to swing around. This wasn't the first word of something like this. This just got kind of further along than other times it had. There wasn't an announcement and all that. It's going gonna, it's gonna to come back around again, and how far does it get then? Yeah. So this isn't over. No, you're right. And uh, this is something that has been talked about at least the past four or five years. Every every summer, usually, in the offseason, it comes up. Oh, is there going to be a Super League? Uh, we're hearing rumblings of a Super League. This was just European teams. Sometimes it's a World Super League. Um, so there's all kinds of talk. That I think for it to actually happen, and DC I think... United in the World Super League? Is that what we're going to get? Um, <laughs> honestly, New York is a team, is a city that gets floated for a World Super League because it's New York. Um figure LA too. Yeah. Maybe LA. I don't know. Um, but if, if this happens, well, not if you're right, it will, it'll come up again. Uh, it's a question of when, not if, but when it comes up again, I would imagine they will do a better job talking with UEFA and FIFA about it and getting them on board. Cause I think part of the problem UEFA and FIFA didn't like it was it was kind of outside of UEFA and FIFA. Yeah. Their, so, their pockets were going to be lined with money. Yeah, that's that was their problem. That's the it's problem. Money, it's not, it's yeah. Money, 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 UEFA money, and money, FIFA money, don't money, really money, care. Money. Yeah, UEFA and FIFA don't really care about, you know, the quote-unquote integrity of the game or whatever. No. FIFA, If FIFA cared about the integrity of the game, we wouldn't have a World Cup in Qatar here in the winter if this coming next year. So Thanksgiving soccer tournament, yeah. Yeah, so FIFA doesn't really care about integrity all that. Sepp Blatter got re-elected president after being involved in fraud charges. So, yeah, there, that was an argument where there was no good guys. There were just different levels of bad guy. And luckily, the Super League did not happen this time around. I hope it doesn't. But as Leland said, he's right. Um, I've I've listened to multiple podcasts, Ooh. too, and, and they're saying the same thing. They're saying this is going to happen again. It's just a question of when and who gets involved. All right, what I know that you need to know, baseball again. I, I spoke about baseball in the D-block a week ago. It was a fun weekend for baseball. The Padres and Dodgers were once again on a weekend series, and, and it's just it's become must-see TV. This is, this is the best rivalry in the game right now. Um, it has the most exciting player in baseball in Tatis Jr. He hit home runs every game this weekend. He hit two home runs on Friday. And he hit two home runs in Dodger Stadium on the anniversary of his dad hitting two home runs in Dodger Stadium. Two like, grand slams just, in the same inning. Two grand slams in the same inning for his dad. So I I just love that kind of stuff. We talk about this in baseball. We talk about this in a lot of sports, how these things happen that 
it's just so coincidental. It's it's hard to believe it's coincidental. And I, I am also also a sucker for the dad stuff in baseball. I was a King Griffey Jr. fan growing up, so early in my liking of King Griffey Jr., there was his dad uh, also in the field, um, and then not too far removed after that. And I just I always like that father son stuff when they're both playing the majors and especially for junior when they homered back to back and getting to play on the same field. That's not what Tatis Jr. has, but there he goes, you know, hitting two home runs in a game on the anniversary of his dad doing that. And he's just had an incredible weekend. He also, I guess why I'm bringing it up, you know, his excitement is carried through his celebration of his performance. And uh, what was it Saturday when he was pitching against Bauer hitting against Bauer and he hit a bleed off home run, start the game, hit it out. And then he's dan- going around the base, starts turning sideways, turns towards bench, covers up one eye. Cause Bauer looks at the catcher with one eye closed. And I just like it. And I, what I like the best out of it is that Bauer didn't just throw it at his head the next time. He, he's like, it's fine for him to celebrate, you know, like Bauer kind of took the approach of if I don't want him to do that, I can't let him hit a home run off me to open up the game. I can't, you know, it's the same thing last year or it was the year before when he's like, go get it out of the ocean when the player was upset. That's not what we had That's here. Muncie, this was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this was, you know, people having fun with the game, playing it, playing it the right way. And I still think celebrating the right way. I, I do lean old man, get off my lawn a lot quicker than I do, you know, the fun stuff. I, I don't mind this. I don't mind a little bit of action around the bases. I don't mind a little character there. I don't mind the bat flips. I guess I'm here for it. I guess I, I, I'm getting, I'm getting younger in my old age. I just, I thought it was a great weekend for baseball highlighting such a special player. The Padres being successful. They came back and won the game set Sunday night down what seven to one. They came back and won that game. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was awesome. I watched the extra innings of that one more, more so. So I, I enjoyed baseball again this weekend. It's been dominating my life, but I just like that stat line for Tatis and also, what I know that you need to know is that I'm not as old man as you give me credit for. So it was the largest comeback in this specific instance. It was the largest <laughs> comeback this season uh, for a team trailing after the seventh inning to come back and win. Awesome. So it's fun. I, I'm just glad they found a way to get each of these games on national TV this time in this series. That's it yeah. needs to be that way for this series. I know there's certain rules about you can only show each network can only have so many of a matchup or whatever. Um, give them MLB on Friday, give them Fox on Saturday, give them ESPN on Sunday. Yeah, that it. needs to happen. I mean, it's just too good of a series. This series is Major League Baseball. And you know what, Major League Baseball? Why don't you do something crazy like uh, change your rules for the benefit of your sport? Because that rivalry is Major League Baseball right now. It's the best yeah. rivalry there is. Guess what rivalry is not moving the needle? Boston Red Sox, New York Yankees. The New York Yankees lost the Baltimore Orioles tonight because the New York Yankees suck. They are terrible this year. They are a tire and a fire. They are awful. (laughs) They gave up two home runs to Cedric Mullins tonight. Who? Cedric Mullins. Super great this year at hitting. Not known for his power this year. Their their team is terrible pitching. Their team is even worse hitting this year, which is surprising. Because, you know, Aaron Judge is the face of baseball or whatever. And... He's he's so amazing. Judge was 29. I thought he was younger than that. Good news, Brett Gardner. Today was his 29th birthday. Yeah, Brett Gardner, who's apparently 50 years old, is still playing, and he is terrible, and I love it because that man is maybe my least favorite player in baseball. Um, but current player. Anyway, current player, yes. Um, <laughs> but 
Yeah, yeah, there's another one that reminds me every day on social media that he might be my least favorite player ever. But another Valley Leaguer. Um, but um, yeah, but for me, when I watched those games, I caught a little bit of each one. I I wasn't able to watch whole games of any of them, but I was able to catch a little bit of each one. And for me, yeah. it it just kind of showed how fantastic this rivalry and this sport is. I'm like you. I'm fine with the bat flips. You know what? When a pitcher gets a big strikeout, the Padres pitcher had a huge, huge strikeout at one point and screamed on his way off the mound. I love that. Good. Inject that into my veins. And you know what? You're right. Trevor Bauer didn't hit Fernando Tatis after he hit the home run, turned around, did the covering up of the eye thing. You know what he did? The next at bat, he went out and he struck out Tatis. That's how yeah. you get revenge on somebody. And it builds into the rivalry. Oh, my gosh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Dodger fans booing Manny Machado every single time he came up in that series. Tatis hitting five homers in that series. He had two multi-homer games in that series. Five total homers in the series. He homered in each game, uh, like you said. But it, it was just a fantastic series. I love that rivalry. I wish there was more of them like that in baseball this year. There's not. Um, but there's not as many personalities in baseball I, i'm surprised we aren't seeing more heat around the astros now that fans are in the stands i know like the first week we were seeing some stuff and there might be a blip here and there i'm just surprised kind of each week we're not kind of hearing what this group of fans did in against the astro you know like mm-hmm. but, you know bringing up the crap with the astros i'm just i'm surprised that one's fading kind of as quickly as it is and and i i mean the, just the half season last year i think did the Astros a lot of favor not to just have the normal fans in the stands the full year coming right off of that whole cheating scandal. So I I just am surprised that's fading as quick as it is. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think the other thing that helps that is the Astros are kind of not very good this year. So fans are enjoying that, but it's, you know, when they're not a team that's winning, it's not as fun, you know, kicking something that's, you know, dead. So, um, it, but it's going to be interesting. The Mets, the, it's still early in the baseball season, but the Mets are playing pretty okay. They're one but game over 500. Like 500 or less. That division's like, rough. Ben talked about the Braves being down, and like they they're get only on a, a game one little out. streak, and they're in first place. Yeah, they're a like, game and a half out. Now, the Braves could have done me a solid by winning by two runs tonight, but decided to be hilarious to not blow a lead and only win by one. It's just weird that the NL East is kind of like the NFC East from last year. Just like everybody's. Not not that great right now, but I, I do think I do think teams are going to start setting themselves apart in that division and taking off. And I think the Braves are very capable of doing that. But you know, the other you know, thing that's going to be interesting, um, we talked about Dodgers Padres, rightfully so. The Giants are technically second in that division. They are yeah. a game back of it's the Dodgers. Early. That it's is still... that is the traditional rival of the Dodgers. I'm very interested to see that series the next time it comes up as well. You're right; it is still early. I don't think the Giants have staying power. I do think this is a two-team race between the Dodgers and the Padres, and I kind of feel like it's a two-team race for the World Series. I don't think any of these other teams in the American League have a shot. I don't like any of these other teams in the National League to beat the Padres or the Dodgers. I just hope the Padres and the Dodgers meet in the NLCS. I hope somehow that's a possibility because I think that is going to be the really the World Series. Um, but I, I think that's going to be a fantastic series. Uh, the Dodgers swept them the first time they met. Padres took two out of three this time. So it's going to be fan. It's I, I just can't wait. I cannot wait for the next time yep. they play. Uh, I look June. forward to it. June. Oh, God, that's a while. It's a month. 
they just played like back to back week, so it's they didn't they didn't spread this front side out. So it's fine. Bummer. All right. So if you listened and want to interact with us uh digitally instead of rather in the stands right before we're going live on air, uh please feel free to tweet at us at Yak Sports Pod on Twitter or on Facebook or email us at yaksportspod at gmail.com. And not that we will not talk to you in the stands. We, we talked to those guys in the stands the other day. I just um, said we'll see what happens, and we did. Yeah, yeah, we did. We did see what happens. We will be glad to speak with you. I'm just warning you, you know, trying Come to take correct. shots at us as we're, you know, going live on air. Not not the best moment. Um, Come correct. But choose choose a better venue is maybe what I'm telling you right now. I just told you at Yak Sports Pod, we'll get you there, so make it happen. Subscribe and keep on listening to us on Podbean, Apple, Google, and Spotify because we want to uh, keep telling you what's going on for you, the Augusta County sports fan, what you care about. We will talk about high school football a great deal next week, and we are looking forward to that. We're looking forward to covering, uh, you know, previewing these games on the ESPN 1240 station and covering the Riverheads game, and we're uh, Happy that Chip and Bill will be over on the other game. So make sure you're tuning into that unless you're one of the lucky ones that get to be there and uh, go cheer loud. If you get to be in that stadium, if you're one of the lucky 500, go cheer loud for these kids. Uh, It's been a long, short season and uh, they deserve all the attention and credit that they can get. And uh, we'll be bringing that to them just the same as we always would here on the Exports podcast. And we'll be back next week to do just that. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.